Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Terry Hutchins of CNHI Sports Indiana, and today we're going to have a different kind of show. Instead of going through all the segments like we normally do, I'm going to have one long interview that I had with Todd Leary, the former Indiana University basketball guard who played from 1989 to 1994 was on some great Indiana basketball teams, uh, including, you know, both the 92, 93, 94 teams, all great teams. Guys like Alan Henderson, Calvert Cheney, Eric Anderson, just a whole slew of, of household Indiana names. And then a lot of people remember Todd for the game he had against Duke in the Final Four in the Ted Valentine game when all the starters fouled out basically and Indiana came roaring back on the back of Todd Leary who made three three three-pointers in about a minute and a half got the game to within three and then Indiana had a shot to tie at the very end of the game but Jamal Meeks missed the last three-pointer and Indiana fell to Duke in the final four in Minneapolis but Todd was gracious enough to visit for me for um, a a good 30 minutes and we talked about you know the well a big part of it was what has transpired in recent games with Indiana at the free throw line something that just makes a lot of people's people scratch their heads when you see that in the last three games that Indiana has played going into Saturday night's game at Michigan State. The Hoosiers are 36 of 64 from the line, 56.3%. Had that game at Illinois where they end up losing by two, but you miss 13 free throws. And, you know, anyone who has watched Indiana basketball over the years, that's never been a problem. It's clearly a problem on this team. In what really makes you scratch your head is that it's not just a bunch of bad free throw shooters. It's guys that consistently make free throws who all of a sudden get into games. It gets in their head. It becomes a mental thing. And, you know, all of a sudden you have all these guys missing a lot of free throws, and it's just hard to explain. So I thought Todd Leary would be the perfect guy to talk to you about that. He was a great free throw shooter, both in high school and in college. At one point, he held the Big Ten record for most consecutive free throws in a row. Um, it was over 40. I, thought, I think it was 46. And um, like Todd and I talk about in the interview, it was one of those things where it was – a record that spanned a couple of seasons because he wasn't a guy that shot a lot of free throws in college. He was more of a three-point shooter when he played. And so, but he was, he'd be a great person, I thought, to analyze the free throw situation and, you know, just the mental versus physical and what you, what you think about when you hear people say that, you know, these guys shoot free throws great in practice, but it doesn't translate to games. Todd coached AAU basketball, and uh, I asked him if if free throw shooting was a was a lost art, and also just uh, you know just when you're shooting free throws well and in your when you're in the zone, 
are, do all the outside distractions um, still get to you? Uh, the people waving their hands behind the baskets, the guys talking to you at the uh, on the lane, on the in the free throw line. How are you able to zone all of that stuff out? Because those all seem like things that seem to trouble this Indiana basketball team at times. And so have a great interview with Todd Leary, and that'll be coming up here in a few minutes. First, I just want to look back on... You know, the last few games that Indiana has played, this has been a crazy stretch. We've talked about it a lot, where they played uh, seven games in 17 days. They've played five of those. To this point, they're one and four in those five games, uh, beating Maryland, losing at Michigan State, losing at Illinois, and at Ohio State, and then losing at home to Purdue last Sunday. They still have two games left. In this stretch of of seven games in 17 days, and it starts at home against Michigan State on Saturday, and then two two days later they play at Rutgers. Before we talk about those games, though, you know I, I think in fairness we need to look at you know a big problem for Indiana has been these two-game turnarounds, and you know some of it is because of the you know, the Big Ten schedule that's gotten condensed this year because they had to move the Big Ten tournament back a week because they're playing in Madison Square Garden and the Big East is occupying the normal slot, which would take you right up to Selection Sunday. Instead, this year, Indiana and the Big Ten will be playing beginning February 28th and going through March the 4th. Well, March 11th is Selection Sunday. So, you know, because of that, they've had to kind of cram some games in where they haven't had two before. And, you know, you have 18 conference games that you basically have to get done in the months of January and February. Um, They did play two games this year, the first week in December, but still trying to get trying to figure out ways to get those 16 games crammed into two months and you're talking about having a conference that has 14 conference teams it just makes for all kinds of challenges it's why you know that you never used to see Big 10 games played on Mondays or Fridays but anymore any day of the week is not off limits and they've played a ton of games um, on all of those days. I think the season opener against Indiana State was on a Friday night, and they've had a couple of other Friday night games, and I think they still have one left. They play Minnesota on uh, February the 9th at home. Actually, they have two left because they also, on senior night, will play um, Ohio State um, on FS1, in an 8 p.m. game on Friday night, February the 23rd. So, you know, it's just been one of those things where, you know, you play a lot of games, and what they knew was coming was is that they were going to have to play a lot of these uh, uh, two games in three days stretches where you play a game, you have a day off, and you play a game. I mean, it's okay to do that in the NCAA tournament, but to have to do that, you know, several times during the season, I think it just takes a toll on your team. In Indiana's case, 
it's happening six times. The first time was the the season opening weekend when they played Indiana State on a Friday night and then played Howard on Sunday. Uh, the those two uh, December games in early December when they played at Michigan and Iowa, those were you know, th- that kind of thing. A uh, Saturday game at Michigan, a Monday game home against Iowa. They were able to split those two. They uh, they played Notre Dame in the Crossroads Classic and knocked them off when Notre Dame was ranked number 18 in the nation. And then two days later, they played Fort Wayne, and we all remember the debacle that was Fort Wayne, Indiana losing 92-72 to on that Monday. Now, in Big Ten play, it's been even worse because it's been three of these in back-to-back-to-back fashion. First, it was Maryland on January the 22nd. Indiana played Maryland on a Monday night at home and beat them 71 to 68. Went on the road uh, two days later, played Illinois. That's the game they missed 13 free throws, lose 73-71 in a game that they just couldn't afford to lose. Uh, the next one, the next game was Purdue on Sunday, where they uh, they got beat 74-67, played really well, but but let it get away at the end. That was Sunday, January 28th, two days later. This past Tuesday, they played at Ohio State, got beat by 15 points there. Now you have another one. You play at Michigan State on Saturday night at 8.15 p.m. on ESPN. Two days later, you travel to Rutgers, and you play the Scarlet Knights in Piscataway on Monday night. And so it's just all these back-to-back-to-backs. And, you know, if coaches or players say anything about it, it's going to sound like an excuse. But the reality is is that it's just been a really tough stretch. And, you know, if it was getting you ready for the NCAA tournament or the Big Ten tournament or whatever, I guess that would be something that works in your favor. But in reality, Indiana's 12 and 11. They're 5 and 6 in Big Ten play. And barring a miracle finish here in the next, you know, seven conference games and then at least one Big Ten tournament game, you know, this is this is a team that is very likely going to be on the outside looking in when it comes to the NCAA tournament and maybe even postseason play at all. They'll still have to do a have a lot of work to get done even to be considered, you know, a, a potential NIT team. And so, you know, those are the kind of things that this Indiana team has been facing. But we talked about uh, a little bit about these last few games, talked about the free throw problems. And again, uh, 36 to 64 in those last three games, 56.3%. The first one was the, uh, was the Illinois game. They go 16 to 29 against Illinois, and then come back against Purdue, and they're 10 of 17 against Purdue, and then they're 10 of 18 against Ohio State. Just cannot miss those kinds of free throw numbers when you already have a really small margin of error anyway. You're already really undersized going up against a lot of teams. You don't have your big man in the middle in Deron Davis. You don't have Colin Hartman right now either with a lower leg injury. And so you're already playing small. 
And the one thing you can't afford to do is just give away free points. And that's what they've been doing on a consistent level. And it's different guys every game. Just don't seem to be a lot of guys going to the free throw line with a great deal of confidence. And, uh, you know, they talk about it getting contagious. They talk about how you miss one and it gets in your head and all of that. And those are just things that... You know, for this Indiana team right now to be successful, you simply cannot have those kinds of things working against you. Um, So that's kind of, you know, where Indiana is right now. And uh, so, you know, I don't want to spend a lot more time talking about, you know, what's going on right now. Again, they play Michigan State Saturday night, big game, obviously. They need to find a way to win a game like that it could definitely springboard them you would think but at the same time you know you've got games coming up you know you're going to be uh after the Rutgers game on uh on Monday that Friday night you're going to play Minnesota at home you're going to play Illinois at home two teams that you should be successful against but then you go on the road and you go at Iowa at Nebraska and Nebraska is probably one of the most improved teams in the Big Ten this year and then you close out the conference season on senior night again against Ohio State on February the 23rd so these are all things that you know the the, it's the schedule is coming down the stretch and Indiana needs to find a way to get some success. And again, if they could have that success against a team like Michigan State, I know a lot of people will say, hey, you lost to them by 28 in the Breslin Center. You have no chance to beat them at home. But I think people that know also know that Indiana has played you know, top 10 ranked teams pretty well over the years. And the atmosphere at Assembly Hall has a lot to do with that. It was a great atmosphere against Duke this year. It was a great atmosphere against Purdue. If you can get that atmosphere Saturday night against Michigan State, it at least gives you a chance. Let's move right into the interview I was talking about earlier. So visiting with Todd Leary today on our Hoosier Insider podcast Todd played for Indiana basketball from 1989 to 94. He played high school basketball in Indianapolis with Eric Montrose at uh, Lawrence North. And he was gracious enough to join me. And here's that interview with Todd Leary. My Hoosier Insider podcast interview with Todd Leary in 3, 2, 1. Back on my Hoosier Insider podcast and visiting with Todd Leary former Indiana basketball standout, played from 1989 to 94, out of Lawrence North, played on some some really good Indiana basketball teams. So, Todd, I I haven't prepared you and told you what we're talking about, but... Yeah, this will be exciting. (laughs) (laughs) For someone who excelled at the free throw line when you played in high school and college... How difficult is it to watch a team struggle as much as Indiana has at the foul line throughout the season, but especially in the last few games? Is it out of line to say I slam my head against the wall repeatedly <laughs> trying to figure out how in the world someone can shoot free throws from the same spot at the same height and the same distance for your whole life and not get better at it? 
it's it's one of the most frustrating things I've seen. I mean, Indiana obviously has struggled. I think it's cost them a couple of different ball games, but uh, you know, I, it's, I struggle with it. You know, watching the NBA, watching anything, I don't see how guys can practice the same shot repeatedly and not get better at it. It doesn't really make any sense to me. So in the last three games, they are, well, they are, let me add this up really quick, 36 out of 64, which is 56.3%. They go 10 of 17. They go 16 of 29 against Illinois. 10 of 18 against Ohio State. I mean, is it... is it a mental, you know, mental versus physical? I mean, is it, it? I mean, can you pinpoint what it is? You know, it's definitely a mental issue in that even good free throw shooters will go through, um, you know, a, a spurt where for some reason they might miss, um, you know, three out of five or something like that. Um, when you can, when you can consistently do it game by game, where you are. Uh, you know, you're shooting 50% or right at it or, or whatever. I mean, that's, that to me is there's a mechanical issue that you need to fix. And, you know, a lot of it is just uh, muscle memory and, and repetition. Um, but when you get guys that are, that are really big, you know, you take like a Shaquille O'Neal or someone like that. Um, you know, I've, I've tried to analyze that quite a bit actually, cause it doesn't really make any sense to me, but, but I can't relate to like, what the basket looks like to him. I mean, he's a foot taller than me and hit the size of his hands and, and that kind of thing. Like, it's just, uh, it's not something that I could, I can say exactly what they could do to make him better. But, but I know that there definitely would be some type of muscle memory thing that they could practice that would make them better. It's, it's mental to a degree, but Anybody can get over that. Everyone's going to struggle. If you shoot enough of them, your percentages is going to be fairly decent as long as you have that same muscle memory and repeat the same thing over and over again. Have you seen that? I think it, I think I'm pronouncing his name right. The Azabuki kid at Kansas, the one that yeah. Oklahoma, you know, fouled at the end of the game and put him on the line six times. And with him, though, I mean, he has the the strangest release and it kind of goes tilts off to the side and i mean you would think that you could teach somebody at least the very basics of lining the ball straight up yeah i mean the the the, the fundamental so there's some people who um who the fundamental side of it if they just got would listen and would do what they're what they're told and what they're taught when it comes to that they would improve now if they don't if they don't buy into it and agree to do it that way all the time then you know their percentages should go up a little bit but not dramatically until they until they buy into doing the fundamentals right and i mean you can't have you know there's a lot of different ways to shoot it but you you can't have funky spin on the ball for lack of a better term of saying it because if you have good fundamentals the ball is going to rotate kind of evenly back towards you and until you get to that point it's always going to be kind of hit or miss on whether you're going to have streaks where you make a bunch and you know there's the occasional guy who has a weird uh release but he's practiced it that way for so long that 
um, you know, changing him might hurt him, but he's, but he's gotten to the point where he's decent at it and you can live with it. Guys who shoot 50% and below, like they, they need to wholesale changes on everything they do. I think the thing with Indiana that gets me too is, is that you hear players, you hear Archie Miller, different people say that they shoot the ball, they shoot free throws great in practice, but it doesn't translate to games. And so, I mean, and, and I've heard, you know, Jawan Morgan a few games ago, I think it was the night at Illinois where he scores 28 points but goes three for eight from the line. And he said something to the effect of, you know, once you miss one, it gets in your head and it becomes contagious. And I don't know if that's just an excuse or what, but at the same time, um, it, it does seem odd that if, that if they truly are a good free throw shooting team in practice, why it doesn't translate to the games. Yeah, I mean, that that tells me that, um, you know, the mental aspect of the game, this is something Coach Knight was so good at, I think, was getting us to buy into the fact of how important the mental aspect of the game was. And so, so I kind of look at that really the same way that Juwan Morgan says it, only – um, only on a much bigger and larger scale in that, um, you know, I like for my percentage to be high. So when I missed one, it, it made me mad because of that. But it didn't make me think that all of a sudden my form wasn't good or my, I wasn't doing something right or something else was wrong. I, like, I, I never thought of it that way. I looked at it, look, I had practiced so many of these um, that, you know, like I didn't really get nervous in situations because it was a free throw. That's the one, that's the one thing I had shot more than anything else in the whole world. And so I had prepared myself for it. And that was always coach Knight's biggest thing is, uh, failing to prepare, preparing to fail. And in the regards to free throws, I don't think I ever got nervous on a free throw because I was excited if I got to go to the free throw line, because I know that's the thing I'm the most prepared for. And, I don't know if mentally those guys need to look at it that way, need to approach it from a different standpoint of, hey, I've put the work in. Um, all I can do is shoot it the same way that I've been shooting it, and I'm successful at it in practice. And if it goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, maybe that relieves some of the pressure off of them. I'm not sure. But but they've got to get themselves to the point where the mental aspect of it is that they've done the preparation and have worked as hard at it as they need to be to be good at it or, be, or feel comfortable to be good at it, and then just let the results be what they are as long as you shoot it the same way every time. I can't remember the number myself, but I, I'm, I think you will. But I, I know you didn't shoot a great number of free throws at IU, <laughs> but you, you did have a streak where you made, what, 43 in a row or 44, was it? Or? Yeah, so I, I, honestly, I don't know. It's like 46 or 45, 47, somewhere in there. I think at one time uh, it was the Big Ten record, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it stood for several years, but I don't, I don't even know. Um, it got broken a while back, I'm sure. But, um, but you know, like you said, mine spanned over – seasons and not uh, not games right I didn't, I didn't get to the free throw line i didn't get inside the three-point arc very often let alone get the three-point free throw line that reminds me of something uh they were saying in the purdue game the other night that that ryan klein had gone 414 minutes this year and hadn't shot a free throw I yet shot a free throw. <laughs> That's amazing. I, you know what that tells me is they haven't been in in very many close games and when they have He's not considered one of their better free throw shooters because 
I, we, Indiana could play the whole game and, and I might not have gotten in. And if it's a close game, they knew, I knew they were putting me in, in the last two minutes because I could make free throws. So that's probably how I got to the free throw line more than anything. I probably shot more free throws some years than minutes I played. The uh, I remember Jordan Holes telling me one time, uh, you know, when we would ask him a question about one of his long free throw streaks that he had, was on, and he'd always act like, you know, it's really no big deal. They're just free throws. They're free. He said, you <laughs> should be able to make them. And, um, and yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, it just when 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 I would miss one. Um, you know, even today, if I go play with the kids or do whatever, I mean, if I miss a free throw, I just feel like it's just lack of concentration because I should be able to make those until the day I die. I mean, those guys are shooting 50% at the free throw line. I think I could kick in 50% of them. <laughs> the, uh, you know, I'll, I'll still never forget this uh, story, and that's uh, the time you came and when I was coaching CYO basketball, and you came and and showed our kids how to shoot free throws one night. And there was like four or five, six teams in our gym up at Holy Spirit at Geist. And you were running late, and you were in like a suit and street, and you had, you know, nice shoes on or whatever, and you walked in the door, and you basically said, hey, throw me a ball. You walked right to the free throw line, and you started talking to these kids. The kids all, you know, huddled around. And I forget how many you made in a row. The, uh, the the legend grows from year to year. Yeah, I think, for sure. Yeah. I, I think it was like 60 or 70, though. I really do. And, I mean, the the way coaches at Holy Spirit tell it now, it was like 150. But um, <laughs> but anyway, but, I mean, you just kept making them over and over. And you're talking to them. I mean, and, you, I, you know, you showed them that little, I don't know, nail hole or nail mark or right. whatever it is right. on the line. and. And, you know, where to stand and, and, you know, get yourself in position. And you weren't even looking at the basket. You're just talking to these guys and you're shooting and you're making everyone. And these kids are like, what is going on? And um, but I mean, and I guess that just goes to the whole muscle memory argument. Yeah, it, it is for me. And I tell you, they, they, I, they always came kind of naturally to me. But my grandpa put up a goal in his driveway when I was a young kid, and he even put like a street light above it. So I could literally stand out there in the summertime and, and play basketball and shoot on that goal until they literally made me come inside. And, and I just got to the point where free throws to me were I – could, I could do them really, really easily. Today, if – they called me out in the middle of a game going on, and I hadn't warmed up at all. I mean, I would, I'd be shocked if I missed it. And it, they just came natural to me. They became comfortable. And watching guys who are good free throw shooters, um, it's such a, it's such a same, it's the same routine. It's not even just like how many dribbles or whatever. It's the timing of all of it. And you know, once you get in a rhythm of that, it, you really kind of keep it for your life. And it's kind of your whole, you know, everybody knows Steve Alford's routine and, you know, most Indiana kids my age, um, you know, we all kind of have either some version of that same routine. We might not do the socks, but, you know, we do some kind of version of that same routine. But it's not – it wasn't – with Steve Alford, it wasn't just, you know, the touching the socks and touching your pants and one, two, three, dribble and shoot. I mean, it was the timing of everything. If you analyzed it, was so precise and accurate that if he screwed up the timing of that, I think that would have messed him up a lot more than – 
anything else than fans cheering or anything else going on. It just becomes such a natural routine for you that um, I really feel like these guys, I don't want to say they're not putting in the work because I know that they are. I mean, I've even been to practice. I've seen how many free throws they shoot, but, but it's, it's, it's going to be a different number for every guy. And a guy's got to shoot enough free throws until he mentally feels like, one, he's a really good free throw shooter, but two, more than anything, he feels like he's put in the work so that even if he misses a free throw here and there, it's an anomaly and it's it's not the norm and it's not okay and it's not like I'm out there to shoot 70%. Like you expect to make every one and when you miss one, you know, it's just it's another streak that's going to get started and that's mentally, I think that's where these guys have got to get to. It's not that they're scared, the crowd's bothering them or all that. If they're even thinking about the fact of it's a mental thing, then it's a mental thing. Right. For sure. I'm visiting with Todd Leary, former Indiana University basketball player, played from 1989 to 1994, part of that 1989 recruiting class that included Calvert Cheney and Greg Graham and Pat Graham, Lawrence Funderburk, Chris Lawson, Chris Reynolds. Um, the uh, Is free throw shooting a lost art? I mean, you coached AAU. I mean, how many kids want to go out and practice free throws? I mean, they all want to work on dunking the ball or, or hitting long three-pointers, but how many are actually working on those fundamental kind of things? Yeah, I mean, not, not like it used to be. I don't know that it's a lost art because there are, there are some guys that are really, really good at them. Um, you know, there, there's probably more guys that are really good at them than before. I mean, I'd say, you know, it used to be on my high school team. You know, when it got down to the end of the game, you know, I mean, they, they threw the ball into me. Like, there was just no question about it. And nowadays, I think when you see teams, I think there's probably more like two or three guys that, that are pretty good at free throws. So I think more guys are getting good at it. But I think the guys who are bad at it, uh, I don't think that number is diminishing. <laughs> I think there's still a lot of guys who just are terrible at it. And I, I think that, I mean, I, I just I just have to think that it, it becomes a situation that until, it's hard to say it's mental, because when you say it's mental, you know, what is that, does that mean that, um, you know, the crowd is influencing you, or what does it mean when it's mental? And, and I honestly believe, as I've said on here a couple of times, and I hate to keep repeating it, but when, when you feel like you have put in the work, then that mental side of it will go away because you'll never fall back on that again because you will know you have put in the effort and the work to be good at those free throws, and they're just a bonus at that point. And when you miss one, you miss one because you can't believe you missed one, not because you're hoping that for some reason you're going to miss another one. The um, So you said something there that was a really bad visual for me, and so um, you said that your high school – teammates would throw the ball into you now i'm thinking you got montross in the middle i mean i would think they would throw the ball into into him i don't i can't really picture you posting up and them throwing the ball inside to you but i mean at the end of the game when we're trying to lock a game up and we've got a little bit of a lead and we need to make free throws at the end of the game trust me i was not option number one and i am well aware of that (laughs) No doubt. The biggest failure I had was not dragging him down to Bloomington. If uh, last thing on free throws, and that's and you've kind of talked about it a little bit, but I mean, when you're shooting free throws well, I mean, how easy is it to zone out everything else, whether it's the fans behind the backboard or, I mean, I'm sure there's opponents 
on the line, you know, in the lane, on the on the free throw lines uh, next to you, trying to get in your head too. Yeah, you know, um, that's something that uh, I don't know if I was blessed with it or or if I learned it or whatever. But man, I tell you, when you're focused on on the job that you're trying to get done and for coach Knight, that can be any number of things i mean it can be a a super small task as far as what a switch is or who's in the game or a a certain direction you're supposed to make a guy go or which way he he likes he tends to dribble the ball or so many different aspects go into the preparation of a game that once we're in them um, you know, I, I can always remember focusing on that stuff. I very, very, very seldom can tell you memories I have about the crowd or things that went on in the crowd. I mean, when there would be a super quiet moment, or especially in warm-ups when fans would yell some really vulgar things, a lot of times they were hilarious, and we would remember those more than anything. Um, but once the game started... Man, I just don't remember. I mean, during a game, I remember Jalen Rose talking a bunch of trash at the free throw line. Um, but but other than that, like I can't even really remember too much because we were we really were pretty focused on what was going on and what we had to do. And there were so many little details that we had to remember and keep in mind and things to do. And a lot of times at free throws, there's substitutions. So you know. The first thing that happens when substitutions is then you got to click in your memory as to what we said we were doing and walkthroughs when that guy was in or how that relates different or who's going to be handling the ball now or whatever. I mean, I know I'm just rambling, but you can imagine uh, Coach Knight gave us plenty of details to to have to worry about to where the crowd was about the least of my worries. Visiting with Todd Leary, uh, switch gears. Just your general thoughts on IU. 12 and 11, 5 and six in the big 10 um you know i always tell people you know that i kind of envy some people that don't do this for a living because when it becomes unwatchable people can turn the tv off or turn don fisher off or whatever and i have to i have to continue to watch it and i know that you you used your bang the head against the wall reference to free throw shooting but this team you know i just the inconsistency from one game to another can be painful to watch sometimes yeah i can and and you know so as Indiana fans, you know, we would have all loved for this, you know, in, in Archie Miller's first year, for this to have been, you know, like a, like a Hoosier story or something where they just, uh, they overachieved beyond belief. And, and had that happened, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people would have given Archie Miller the credit and a lot of people would have said, well, it was still Tom Crean's team. And a lot of people would have said, well, the players did it on their own and they've had a lot to deal with and they would have given the freshmen a bunch of credit and, you know, a bunch of different reasons would have been given for why it was good. And the same thing happens for why they've been, I would say probably about right on par with what I would have expected. I mean, before this season started, I said, I think that they would probably win some games that we wouldn't necessarily think that they should win. And they would probably lose some games that we 
didn't think that they should lose. And they've definitely done that second part of that. They've been in some games uh, that, you know, that Purdue game was, was a good 40-minute effort. Um, you know, they, they played really well. Even though they lost at the end, people say, well, they only played good for 38 minutes. You know, that's not true. I mean, they fought uh, just because Purdue came out and won. Um, you know, Purdue is a, an extremely good team and one of the top teams in the country and physically just completely outmatches Indiana. And for them to be able to hang around and be in that game, uh, I, I think says a lot for the system, says a lot for what their culture they're going to create there is. Um, and, and I like it. Like I like I thought early in the season. There was uh, a lot of times when I felt like offensively they were out of control, just like they were in the past few years. Um, and so that was kind of disheartening. I think that they have gotten away from that a ton. You don't see guys dribbling down the floor and just basically going straight out of bounds and doing just getting so out of control. They're still moving it up and down the court, but they're not totally out of control as much uh, or, or hardly at all anymore. And I think that's a testament to how, how much and, and how much how much more they're buying into the system and that's a huge part of it um, you know I do think that injury sorry my phone was beeping but you hate to blame injuries but they have definitely dealt with if you just said going into the year that Deron Davis wasn't going to be available for half the season you would have basically written the season off at that point and I think they've done a tremendous job recovering from that I mean Colin Hartman not being available as much as he hasn't been is a definite uh, hurt for the team and so you know I I think that we've gotten about as much as you can expect out of them had they had they ended up right now at at you know 18 and 5 um, I think we would all be looking at that saying this is way better than what was expected and they have well overachieved but um, I don't think they've underachieved I don't look at it that way at all and I, and I think that they're uh, I think that they'll look back on this as a good stepping stone into moving into, um, you know, having some years that I think it'll gradually get a little bit better. I doubt they'll have a year where all of a sudden next year they're like 28-3, but I do think that they'll improve a little bit every year until they get to the point where it's pretty common that they're ranked nationally in the top 25. It's hard to win consistently in the Big Ten when you really don't have a true point guard or a talented true point guard. I mean, I think Devontae Green has shown some things at times. His whole thing is consistency. Newkirk's been a struggle. I mean, you know, just calling it as I see it. But, I mean, would you agree with that, though, that the the point guard position at this level really is an important one? It is, and it it is, um, you know, having – a leader or the major leadership role coming from the point guard position, I think always gives a team an advantage. I mean, the guy who has the ball in his hands the most, being able to determine what's going to happen. I mean, to me, that kind of makes sense of how that, uh, you know, you need that guy to kind of be your most mentally connected uh, person. And he needs to be connected, you know, on two levels, one level with the coaching staff and kind of knowing and understanding what, is needed and what's expected and then he also needs like a, a you know an alter ego and another personality where he's connected with the players um to the point where he connects with each one of them individually and kind of knows what uh everybody's tendencies and every what everybody's good at what they feel like they're good at and what they really are good at and 
put them in positions to where it makes it easier for everyone to score um, and and then also puts them in a position where um, you know that guy is able to even if he's not the most athletic guy he's he can talk guys into being in position on defense and, and doing things right and you know he knows who his best defensive player is and, and you know I there's no doubt in my mind that's the most frustrating position with Indiana right now I mean I know, I know they don't have tons of big guys that can play in very many minutes right now, but uh, the point guard position to me is the real reason for the inconsistency. And, um, you know, I, I think you can look back just really recently into the years of Yogi Farrell and that situation. And Yogi Farrell, I think you will agree because you do watch it as closely as you do, that it, Yogi had some great, great games and they weren't the games where he hit seven threes and scored 30 points. I mean, he had some great games where he scored 12 points and everyone was involved and everyone was connected and you really saw them all working as a group out there and that's what a point guard to be. Point guard is is, um, is the most valuable to a team when he is responsible for getting everyone else involved. You know, to me it always looks fake when you watch um, you know, if you watch West Virginia right now, I can't even remember what the name of their big guy is, but they've got a big guy in West Virginia who's always yelling at everybody and telling them where to go, what position to get into. And, and he's trying to be a leader, and it looks fake to me because it's just not natural coming from him. But when you watch, I think his name's Javon Carter, who's their tough guard that has the ball in his hands all the time. I think that's his name, but I could be wrong. But I love watching him play because – he doesn't talk all that much, but you can tell he's in control, and they do what he basically tells them to do um, and what he shows them to do, and he plays as hard as anybody. And So to me, he's a true leader. But when you watch other guys on the team, especially big guys who don't handle the ball that much, try to lead, it just looks fake to me for some reason. Visiting with Todd Leary, former Indiana guard, just a few more things. One is how um, – I mean, how much of a surprise has Juwan Morgan been and just – I mean the the amount of things he's able to do at six foot seven. Yeah, he he is. Um, you know, there's times out there when you look at it uh, and you you're like, yeah, he's he's a small six foot seven. Like he's all he he doesn't seem that big compared to the other guys. And then there's times when you watch him play and some of the moves he makes and how quick he is getting back off the floor. When you're like, wait a minute, is he six nine or ten? Like he 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 can play much bigger than what he is. He can also play smaller than what he is, and that's I say that as a positive um, because he's able to to really put guys in bad position that are not good at guarding a small forward, yet he can also play that big forward position pretty well also. And, you know, he's, he's a real unique type of, of forward in that he can play both of those power forward and small forward, but just some of the moves and stuff that he makes uh, are unique in themselves. I mean, he's... Um, he's just very under control. I feel like he's got good body control and, um, he, he seems to be pretty flexible. I mean, he makes moves Eric Anderson couldn't dream of, uh, cause Eric can't even bend at the waist, but, um, you get a guy like Juwan Morgan. I mean, he just seems to be a last man around there sometimes. Uh, he just maneuvers his body around to get an opening. And he's been super, super impressive to me in having to play. Uh, I won't just say a position that's not suited for him, but he's played several positions throughout the season, I think, that are not ideal for him. And he uh, he's impressed me a ton. 
one more player reaction, and that's, I mean, your kids um, are Carmel High School kids. How much fun is it to watch Zach McRoberts play and all the things he does? And it just seems to remind me of old Indiana basketball teams that always had that guy that maybe didn't fill up the stat sheet scoring-wise but did so many other things. Yeah, you know, he's (laughs) – it's funny because we were watching a game not that long ago and I had – I was there with all my kids watching it and one of my kids turned to me and said, how come all the guys don't play as hard as Zach McRoberts does? And, man, how do you answer that? Right. Um, You know, that's a a toughie because it's a a great way to sit there and look at it. I mean, that kid – I loved watching him at Carmel. You know, he and Ryan Klein together at Carmel. You talk about controlling a basketball game. I mean, if they if they wanted the score to be twenty to eighteen, I mean, they walked that ball up the floor and they passed it around like you watch at Hoosiers. And I mean, they just absolutely controlled the pace of play in a game. And to me, that was fun to watch. To some people, it's like, oh, this is boring. But but just watching those two control it. To me, that was that was kind of an art, and I have always really enjoyed watching him play. Um, you know, when he when he ended up coming back to Indiana, I was excited. And then, you know, this year, I thought at the beginning of the season, I thought, man, this is going to be great for him. He's gonna they're not going to be able to take him off the floor because of you know he's he's just kind of that cohesive guy that brings everybody else together. He doesn't say a whole lot, but he uh, you know he just plays so hard. You almost have to play harder. And I'm really glad that, you know, it's unfortunate through injuries or whatever how he did end up having to get on the floor. But I'm, I'm glad in the long run that it did happen because I think that everyone will be a better players for it. And I definitely think they're a better team when he's on the floor. Last thing, and that's just Archie. You sound like you're a, you're a supporter. Um, I mean, what have been your impressions of Archie Miller and how he has handled everything to this point? Yeah, I don't know that anyone who's who's not named Bob Knight can truly probably understand what all you go through uh, as being the coach in Indiana. Um, you know, the, the the other assistant coaches and then the players probably get next in line as to who can really understand it. But, man, it's probably even way bigger than any of us could even understand. And I'll tell you, I've been an Indiana fan since I can remember watching basketball. Uh, long before I went there, and I'll always be an Indiana fan. Um, I'm not somebody who sits there and says, uh, hey, you know, I, I don't like this team. You know, I hope next year they get this or whatever, or wait till Romeo gets here or whatever it is. Believe me, I hope Romeo does go there. But I am, I, I'm, I'm just one of those people that Archie Miller is our coach. I'm extremely happy he's our coach. I thought it was a good selection when they made it. And I don't feel any differently now. I probably feel better about it uh, now. And I feel um, excited at what I think he'll be able to build. And I can tell you, as a former player, I probably have a little bit more access to him than just the average fan. But I can tell you this. He is 100% basketball. And if that ever needs to be explained to someone, then they're really not from Indiana. And he is he is going to do everything within his power to – make sure that basketball is uh, comes back to where it was here in Indiana. And the cool part is, is you don't have to worry about any distractions because he's not worried about 
his radio show and he's not worried about his, you know, TV endorsements and he's not worried about anything else. He is a hundred percent basketball and now he's a hundred percent Indiana. So that part of it, I'm so excited for. I wish they had had some dream season uh, to where, you know, they, they overachieved in everyone's eyes. I think it would make it easier on him, but you know, I, I don't necessarily know that he needs it any easier on him. He'll, he'll do fine with the way he is. And, um, you know, fans are always going to be fans. I mean, heck, there were some people that thought Bob Knight should have been gone long, long, long time ago. So, I mean, you're never going to make everybody happy. But I think Archie, uh, in the long run, the fan base will be extremely pleased with what he is. That's Todd Leary, former Indiana basketball player, former color commentator with Don Fisher on the IU Radio Network. Always great insights. Thanks for spending some time with us today, Todd. Anytime, buddy. Thanks again to Todd Leary. Great interview. Great insights. He's always uh, he's he's a great friend of mine and someone who has always been very honest and uh, opinionated on on a lot of topics regarding Indiana basketball. But you can tell he's also a true Indiana fan, somebody that uh, believes in the direction the program is going with Archie Miller and is looking forward to seeing what Archie's going to do in the future. That does it for this week's Hoosier Insider Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Terry Hutchins of CNHI Sports Indiana. Appreciate any feedback that uh, that you might have. My Twitter is at IndieSportsHutch, or my email is thutchins at cnhi.com. Look forward to seeing you next week, and we'll see you then.